Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Since its inception, the GOP has tried to be a big tent party, attracting a broad coalition of voters and interest groups. The party has benefited in recent elections from courting free market conservatives, evangelical Christians, and supporters of strong military intervention around the world. But... This election brings with it unique challenges for people in all of those categories. And critics of the Republican Party say its acceptance or its embrace of xenophobic rhetoric has created a monster in the form of what we are seeing in Donald Trump's campaign for the presidency. Can the GOP hold together and win up and down the ballot this year? Or is the tent burning down in front of our eyes? We have talked a lot on this show over the last several months about the campaign of Donald Trump. We've talked about the 2016 presidential campaign generally on both sides. Today, we want to focus exclusively on the Republican Party. What does Donald Trump's candidacy really mean to the party and its future, of course, going forward? Also, what does it mean to Republican voters? They've got to go into the booth on November 8th and make what I think is a really interesting choice. They can support their party and vote for the candidate who is uh, who is the nominee, uh, Donald Trump, or they can go in and try to make a statement about the direction the party is headed if that's not what they think should be happening. They're not the first people to have to do this, of course. We've seen Democrats also have uh, similar kinds of choices when there is a candidate who doesn't necessarily fly the party flag or someone who doesn't seem as qualified. But Donald Trump, of course, is a different candidate, I think, than almost any other we have seen before. So today we want to talk about what Republicans might do on November 8th and what effect it might have on the party up and down the ticket. Going forward into January and into 2018, of course, here in the state of Michigan, uh, we want to hear from you, especially if you are a Republican, for instance, what are you thinking about doing? Are you going to support Donald Trump at the ballot on November 8th or are you going to do something else? If you're a Democrat, give us a call and tell us what you think about what's going on in the Republican Party. Four years ago, party leaders said they wanted to reach out to independents and some Democrats to grow the base that was insufficient to carry Mitt Romney to victory in 2012. Of course, today that base looks smaller and Donald Trump seems hell-bent on chasing some people away from the Republican brand. So what would Republicans be able to do to attract you if you're a Democrat to uh, maybe think about voting Republican. 313-577-1019 is the number to join that conversation. 313-577-1019. You can also go to the Facebook page of WDET, uh, put a comment there, or hit us up on Twitter at uh, hashtag Detroit Today, and we will try to incorporate your comments into the conversation. Again, 313-577-1019. And here to help me sort out uh, what's going on inside the Republican Party are two Republican friends of mine. Randy Richardville is the Trump 7th Congressional Des- District Chair. He is the former state Senate Majority Leader. Uh, Randy, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Good. How are you? Well, good. I had to fight a little bit of traffic. We actually have commuter tra- traffic now in the city of Detroit. People <laughs> work downtown, right? So you got to 
plan ahead. Yeah. Uh, also with me is Matt Resch. He is uh, the principal of Resch Strategies PR firm in Lansing. He has represented many GOP officials over the years. Matt, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, Stephen, if I could say, you know, sure. if, they would have, if we had got that road plan few when I uh, through when I was in the <laughs> you in the still Senate, apply. I, we you probably would have started right on time this morning. Just, just making a comment. I was on your side. I know you are. We, we certainly were on the same side that time. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So. Randy, I'm going to start with you. Uh, You are chairing uh, the 7th Congressional District uh, campaign for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Uh, You and I have known each other for a long time uh, when you were Senate Majority Leader. We certainly had our disagreements about some things, but as you pointed out, we also had agreements about a lot of things. I have to say that I'm a little surprised that you are chairing the Donald Trump campaign in the 7th Congressional District. There's almost nothing I know about you that suggests <laughs> that you would have anything in common with with Donald Trump in terms of the things that he's saying. So, so walk me through the thought process there, sure, uh, and and how you made that decision. A couple of years ago, um, I sat down with Jeb Bush, talked to him about his campaign. I've known him for a number of years. We've worked on educational issues together. Um, I thought he was, of all the Bushes, the one that was most presidential, knew and understood things very well, articulate, etc. He asked me to endorse him, and I did. Uh, we went through this massive primary this year where we had some 16, 17 candidates on the Republican side. And after Jeb was eliminated, so to speak, I looked at the other campaigns that were out there. I looked at the general public and tried to figure out what they were thinking, and I, I came up with kind of an analogy that, you know, my background before I got involved in politics was with corporate America. And every now and then, companies, uh, whether they're big corporations, middle-side corporations, whatever, uh, need a turnaround expert. They need somebody to come in and be responsible to the board of directors and change the direction of the way the company is going. When I look at the United States of America and the um, light on a hill that we used to be, and I read reports or read newspapers from around the country and we are not that light on a hill anymore we're a a mockery to a lot of the rest of the world and when i look at the two candidates you know because i was recruited to potentially run for congress potentially run for united states senate go to washington and be a part of that and i felt in my heart there's no way i want to go to that zoo and be a part of what's happening in washington i think there are a whole lot of other people in the state of michigan and around the country that say For 20 years, we've talked about how much in debt we are, um, how weak we've become defensively around the country, around the world, how our economy is a struggle from time to time. We need to do something in Washington to shake that place up. We look at the two candidates that are out there this year. It seems like there's nobody that wants to support either one. And the big group of people in the middle, the independents, and I think that the Democrats will vote for Hillary almost no matter what is found out or talked about. I think the Republicans, for the most part, will vote for Donald Trump because they don't have a choice besides Donald Trump. But the independents are the one this year that are scratching their heads saying, I don't want to vote for either one. So when I say this corporation or this country needs a turnaround, it needs a shakeup in Washington, who is going to most likely create that shakeup? I look at Donald Trump and say, there's no question he shook up this entire system and he will shake up the country, especially the bureaucrats, the elected officials in Washington. And here's my big disappointment so far. 
we got caught up in this National Enquirer type of reporting and media, both of them, both campaigns. I tell the analogy of Democrat Airlines versus Republican Airlines. If we had airlines that were named Democrat Airlines and Republican Airlines, and all the Democrat Airline company did was talk about all the failures of Republican Airlines, the air crashes, the deaths, the late, late boardings and landings, and the Republican Airlines did the same thing about Democrat Airlines, eventually people would say, you know what, I really don't want to fly. And I think that's what's happened here in the country. They look at both of these characters and both of these campaigns and say, you know what, I don't even want to be a part of this process anymore. I'd like to start all over. And the only way I think we can start over is to bring a turnaround expert in there. So so, so let me, let me there's two things I want to follow sure. up on in what you said there. One is turnaround. What in Donald Trump's history tells you he is capable of successful turnaround? Whether you like all of Governor Snyder's policy or not, when we came in, we had an unbalanced budget. In fact, we haven't had a budget done on time in six or seven years. Uh, we had unemployment rates that were skyrocketing. We had all sorts of problems. Now, at completely different styles, Rick Snyder, as a businessman, came in and ran the place like a business, surrounded himself with really good people, and then started to make changes. But Rick Snyder was a successful businessman. I, I agree. Donald I, Trump, by most accounts, is not. I mean, this is someone who has failed at, at many different businesses. This is someone who has uh, ha suffered incredible losses uh, in real estate and things like that. He's run casinos out of out of business. I mean, wh where in his record do you see this, this turnaround that, that you think he could bring to Washington? Well, th th I think that's what the challenge is for Donald Trump right now. Instead of talking about what Bill Clinton did 20 years ago or defending himself and the words that he says and talking about things being rigged, I would like him to come out in this debate and say, these are the people that I would surround myself with. I would bring in this person for the Department of Defense, bring this person into Secretary of State, this person in, or this type of person for economic uh, development. These are the real issues in the country today. These are the problem solvers I would bring in. This is the plan that I would bring about to start hitting these issues. And you're issues confident that are there. he has that plan even though he's not talking about it? Yeah, oh yeah, I, I do believe so. And I, I think that he's brought in people already to advise him. The thing is, it doesn't seem sometimes like he's listening to them. I mean, we don't need to, he doesn't need to fire up his base anymore, but that's what he's doing. He yeah. needs to work toward the middle, toward the conscientious person that says, I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat. Convince me that you're the best person but I want to change different. this mess. So the second thing I want to follow up with you on is the things that Donald Trump has said. So he comes out of the gate uh, into the into the primary saying that his the centerpiece of his campaign really is the idea of building a wall with between the between the United States and our third largest trading partner Mexico. He then says that uh, a massive deportation effort on the part of the federal government is part of the way to deal with the immigration problem. Later he says uh, that the the, the fear of terrorism in this country compels us to add a religious test to immigration. So for a while, at least, maybe we don't accept Muslims into the country. Then he goes on to talk about, of course, uh, uh, racial healing in the country uh, in the terms of policing and the terms of things like stop and frisk. I mean, the steady sort of narrative of, division and bigotry that he has 
not just adopted, but but sort of blared loudly during the campaign, I think bothers a lot of people. Why is that not a disqualifier for you? Well, it bothers me too, Stephen. I mean, I'm a Christian conservative, uh, certainly have my flaws and have made mistakes, but I, I, I like to hold a standard up high, and he doesn't seem to be raising the standard that I would like to see for the leader of the free world. Um, I, I hope, and we can talk about the things, the rhetoric and all, and the campaign that's happened so far. He has gotten the attention of the American people. He has gotten the attention of the electorate. I don't believe you can say that you know the biggest watch debates in the history of the United States by far the number of voters that are coming on board voting for Donald Trump, the number of Democrats that are switching and saying, this year I'm going to vote for somebody different, not the status quo. When you look at all those things that Donald Trump has done, certainly he's bombastic. He gets attention with headlines. My hope, my sincere hope, and I believe he will surround himself with people that will take those responsibilities and give him good, sound advice. The, the immigration, uh, you know, how he kind of changed over the last summer, I think that actually is a really good thing. It shows that he listens to people, and even though he comes out and leads with something that sounds like it's way out there, by the time he actually gets to a decision point, he has good advice and has a better plan than the one that he threw out. So I, I do believe that the key to this is going to be who he surrounds himself with. And if you look at who he chose to be his vice presidential candidate. The very first decision on personnel that he made, I didn't know who Mike Pence was besides his name. And once I listened to him, once I saw the class, the dignity, the kind of person that he is, um, I realized that Donald Trump is going to make decisions on personnel where he's going to bring the best in. And you might not have ever heard about them, but he's going to bring them in and delegate those responsibilities uh, I watched the movie Killing Reagan last night. I don't mm -hmm. know if you had a chance to see mm -hmm. it or not. No, and I did not, actually. It was actually really good. But yeah. the same way that Ronald Reagan surrounded himself with really good people and it, it expected them to give great advice, I think Donald Trump has the best chance of not putting people in positions because of political favors, because of donations, because of those kinds of typical status quo republic, or excuse me, political um, you know, rewards uh, which I think we would see if the if the other person was elected. Okay, uh, this is Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Randy Richardville. He is the Trump Seventh Congressional District Chair, former State Senate Majority Leader here in the state of Michigan, uh, and Matt Rush, who is the founder of Rush Strategies PR firm. He has represented many GOP officials over the years. We're talking about Donald Trump and his candidacy for president on the Republican ticket. What effect is that having on the Republican Party? What effect is that going to have on Republican voters when they go to the polls on November 8th? And of course, we want to hear from you. If you are a Republican, uh, tell us what you plan to do on November 8th. Uh, or if you think this is a close call at all. If you're a Democrat, tell us what you think you are seeing in the other party. Is this a fundamental shift? Is this a meltdown? What is the party going to look like uh, in January? I also want to hear from women this hour. Of course, Donald Trump's comments about women continued to make news. Uh, and the big news about a week and a half ago about a tape of him uh, talking, essentially embracing the idea of sexual assault with uh, Billy Bush uh, when he didn't think the mic was on. What 
effect do you think that's having on Republicans? If you're a Republican woman, give us a call. Let us know how you process all of that and then make a decision for November 8th. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and uh, on Twitter, hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Matt Resch, uh, talk to me about your processing of this decision. What's going on in the party at the national level? What effect do you think it will have on uh, state races, uh, statewide races and local races? And then talk about your personal decision on November 8th. Well, it's been a, it's been a real challenge, real personal challenge. I know for a lot of people who I'm close to, who I work with, who I'm friends with, who've spent their their careers working for a party um, and have many times over the years, I think, gone into the ballot box in November and cast a vote for someone who they may or may not have been really enthusiastic about. But you know what? I'm here for the party today. It's for the good of our party, uh, good of the country. Uh, we will, I'll, I'll vote for the person that the party has nominated. And I think that this, this fall, this summer has really tested a lot of people um, about whether or not how far they're willing to take that. I think that one thing that Randy touched on that I think is absolutely right, that I think will be key to whatever happens with the party going after uh, the, this election day, is that there is, a, there is a real sense of unease and a sense of fear that a large p- part of our population, I think, feels and is grasping and grappling with. And I think that a lot of times, if, if things are going well for you and you're going through your life, you're, you're not really aware that for a large portion of the people out there, there are things that are frightening them. Economic fear and anxiety about not making enough or making ends meet. Um, I think the world around us is about as terrifying right now as it uh, has been in a very long time. Uh, the terrorism, both domestically and abroad, I think has people very shaken. And I think they're looking for anything that that makes us feel like we're on the on the strong side and Donald Trump is playing that role he is he brings the bully pulpit to a new a new level um, he is if, if nothing else he presents a very strong um, aggressive posture and I think when people feel that they're not getting a fair shake either from their employer or from their government um, they're looking for someone to fight for them and, and nothing else. He has done that. I've, I've talked with party folks in, in parts of our state, and this was during the primary, um, where events were, he, I'll, I'll give you the example of the, the event in Cadillac that he did. And I think a lot of people are wondering why on earth is a presidential candidate going up to, to Cadillac, <laughs> Michigan? I mean, obviously that's a, a good Republican part of the state, but you know, there are population bases and TV markets to go visit. And, the, the lifelong uh, activist there went to the event just to kind of see what it was like and couldn't get in six hours before the event started. Um, he said there are people lined up down the street to get into this high school gymnasium, and he didn't know any of them. And this is a guy who had been active in local politics, had elected people, had been an official himself, and didn't know who was lining up and filling that gym. And I think that that is clearly, that is something that Donald Trump has tapped into. Now, the problem that I have, and I think a lot of people have, is that I don't believe for Donald Trump for one second it's about the party, the party that he adopted when he decided to run. It's not about the Republican Party for Donald Trump. It's about the person, Donald Trump. It's about him, sure. And that's where I think there is is danger after the election, but I am also hopeful that that's where we can go, that we can make the next step and kind of heal as a party. Because 
if he goes away and he loses, that persona hopefully goes with it. Now, obviously, there are stories in the news today that he's looking to create a TV network, um, <laughs> and maybe he never will go away. But I think from a party standpoint, a key thing that we need to be able to do is to figure out why are these people showing up at a gym at 6 o'clock in the morning in Cadillac, Michigan, to listen to someone kind of espouse their fears and fight for them. And how can we tap into those folks and make sure that something brought them to this process this year? Sure, and how sure. can we make sure that we keep them as a president? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that everybody can agree that <clears throat> there is this uh, large uh, feeling of discontent, uh, uh, frustration. Uh, many, many people who feel like they're locked out of opportunity on both sides mm-hmm. of the political spectrum. And, and there's no question that Donald Trump sort of taps into that. I think I think uh, the, the fear that I have, and I think the fear that most Democrats have and many independents, and when you look at the polls today versus just two weeks ago, I mean, there really is a collapse on the Republican side of support for Donald Trump. He's projected now to win something like 65% of Republican votes, which is just unprecedented. I mean, you, you can't win any election if you can't get more than two-thirds of, uh, of your own party. But this fear that that the things that he said uh, the, has said the things that he is embracing the 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 division that he's embracing is a, a manner of exploitation of that fear of economic isolation. Right when people are scared, when people feel vulnerable, they are more likely, I think, to open up to the idea of scapegoating that that my problems are about these people or my problems are caused by these other people who are not like me. And his manipulation of that, I think, is not just unfortunate, it's dangerous. I mean, when you sort of uh, embrace that kind of thing, I mean, it leads not just to to intellectual division, but it can lead to violent division, which we've seen in the past. I mean, talk about how you sort of sort through that. Well, it's it's hard. Well, I guess in some ways it's easy. I mean, you can just say no. I mean, this is, guy doesn't represent me, and I'm not going to vote for him. You know, my vote is something that you earn. It's not something that just I do because I have to do it. It's, someone has to give me a reason. And I think that what maybe have tur- had turned the tables a couple of weeks ago, and while people certainly were well aware of things he had said and the record he'd had over the last, you know, the course of this campaign and even before he ran, I think that for for some people they were willing again to go and and be with him because it was a party thing. I think that what what came out when those tapes came out and just the just the crass and just kind of naked offensiveness of the entire thing. It started people started to feel like this is starting to stick to me now. If I put a sign up or if I vote this way, this is some, this is what I'm talking this is how I'm going to talk about myself. This is the way people are going to look at me. And I don't feel comfortable representing that or even even tacitly condoning that. And that's and that's a line I'm not willing to cross. And whether I leave the the, the first first spot on the ballot blank <laughs> or I write in my son's name, I don't know. We'll, we'll you're not see. sure what you're going to do. Yeah. Right. That, I, I guess my, my discomfort with people who are just now saying, well, what he said a couple of youth, weeks ago is across a line that I cannot cross with him is that, of course, Uh, He has said similar things about other groups of Americans, uh, much much worse things, in fact, uh, the the entire time. And so then the question becomes, is it just about, well, this, this, as you say, sticks to me 
and somehow I can't go to that space. But when it was someone else, when Donald Trump was savaging Muslims or savaging Mexican-Americans, somehow that was okay. And I think the party has some reckoning to do around those questions after this election. And I think, and I, not to get a tangent, but I, I, I draw a little bit of a comparison to the issue where we had with the NFL player Ray Rice. Um, and I think, you know, the, the, the violent videotape of him punching his girlfriend in a, in a casino elevator. I think it was that video. It was the raw nature of that video. I think that it caught a lot of people's attention. Maybe people pay attention to sexual or uh, physical assault. I think that that. I think people pay attention to sex, and I think people pay attention to hot mics that get caught, yeah. and just the graphic nature of what he said. Yeah, and and no question, unprecedented in presidential politics. Right. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Like I don't that. think it was unprecedented. Um, let me, you know, I, I think Donald Trump sometimes says things that. Uh, gather attention and and there's a lot better wordsmithing he could do like if frank once worked with him for a while maybe he'd be okay like today when he talked about um the elections being rigged whether they were primaries whether the republican primaries blah 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 doesn't matter because i think a much better word would be biased the media isn't rigged but they're biased. Some of them are. All of them are. I mean, they should be. They should be. But I, I like the fact when they come out and say, hey, we're a conservative newspaper, and that's the reason that we're supporting this conservative, or I'm a liberal newspaper, that's why we're supporting this liberal. But when you say we're neutral, and then you're starting to slide things in, yeah, that's bias. One way or the other, and I don't care well, which way or the other. There's but There's a big but difference the, but between the, between what gets said on editorial pages, which is what what I work on at the Free Press, for instance. And just reporting uh, the news. And reporting the news. Yes, I mean, like Dan Rather. newspapers have those distinctions, right? Uh, but, but Hillary Clinton called one quarter of the American people deplorable and unredeemable. Now, that's, those are pretty strong words, too. Sure. And I, I think that we need to stop talking about one event that happened 20 years ago versus things that have happened, the corruption. We can get into that mess, but haven't we had enough of it? I'm tired of it. I think that most of the people out there listening say, I'm tired of who said what and how awful everybody is, et cetera, et cetera. Give me a plan. Give me something I can hang my hat on. Tell me what you're going to do to make our defense stronger around the world. Tell me how you're going to change this budget that continues to put us at debt, and my kids and grandkids are going to have to pay debt forever. Explain to me the issues and stop with the National Enquirer crap that we are all just tired of. We are all tired. We could do that from now until Election Day and still never be done, but is that really the kind of country? Is that really the kind of leadership that we want? And I think that it's great that this whole thing seems to be coming down to the last debate in Las Vegas, it's like a championship fight almost, you know. <laughs> well, um, he's on the, and a he's lot on the of mat, people will though. be watching. Well, I wouldn't say that, but I think he's been rope doping yeah. for a while. Well, you know, and I'm I'm all I'm always happy to to beat the media biased drum. Um, but the the challenge with this, and I, you go back to Mitt Romney, here was a guy of I think impeccable character who spent day and night talking about policy proposals that he wanted to go about. So I think when you then see stories about his dog being, you know, put in a cage on the roof of his car. He said, "You know, what's the media doing? They're not covering the campaign. They're ma- they're coming up with, like, you know, random stories to make this guy look bad." The difference here is that if Donald Trump every day was talking about national defense, was talking about tax policy, yeah. was talking about balancing the budget, was talking about immigration, if he talked about it once and the media did what they did, then you could say, "Okay, well, you're not covering what the guy is saying. Right. They're covering what the guy he's is saying." He's courting the. He's courting the. Right. 
the the coverage that he's getting. I mean, he's saying every day really outrageous things, and and in many cases, really offensive things. I mean that that is the 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 sort of uh, I think different dynamic that we see with this that than we've seen before. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the Republican Party and this year's election. And then, of course, we're going to hear from you. 313-577-1019. What are you doing on November 8th? If you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, what is going on in the Republican Party? Stay with us on Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Randy Richardville, uh, Trump Seventh District Congressional District Chair for uh, Donald Trump in this 2016 presidential election. He's also former State Senate Majority Leader. Also, Matt Resch, the founder of Resch Strategies PR firm. He's represented many GOP officials over the years. We are talking about Donald Trump and his effect on the Republican Party, his effect on Republican voters. On November 8th, if you are a Republican and scratching your head a little bit about what to do on November 8th, we want to hear from you. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. Especially if you're a Republican woman, I would love to hear from you about what you're thinking about the candidate who represents your party uh, this cycle. Uh, Let's go to Nick. Nick and Hamtramck. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah, go ahead, Nick. Um, well, I am a, a rare instance of a far-left conservative, um, <laughs> and I've been pretty boggled by this whole election season. Um, it's been, you know, entertaining at best, but, you know, really, can, I think everyone's had to do a lot of soul-searching. Uh, I think it's it's not often that I've agreed with the uh, former senator, uh, Richardville, but I do really agree that, you know, they've just been doing too much mudslinging and throwing shade. If anyone here is receiving any political emails from, you know, the DNC, Hillary's campaign, GOP, Michigan GOP, whatever, they hardly ever mention their candidate. And like uh, Senator Richardville said, if any business were to do this, it would be, you know, a harrowing for, for their business to just focus on the opponent. If you saw Coca-Cola billboards that just talked about how bad Pepsi was, uh, it, it's it's been totally you know disheartening for the voter. So and Nick, so Nick, what 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 are you thinking about doing? To be perfectly honest, I think the most righteous thing I can personally do <laughs> is uh, also paradoxical in that this election. I think the best thing I can do is vote straight ticket, and I have some some reasons why. Normally, I would you know encourage anyone to learn all they can about the down-ballot candidates, you know, do their research, don't sell themselves short on, you know, anything, including, you know, city elections, school board, judges specifically are, you know, Yeah, but I'm, I guess I'm asking, what, what, what are you going to do in the presidential contest, Nick? I'm going to vote straight ticket, because instead of Straight the ticket typical, Democrat or Republican? I'm going to vote Democrat. I'm going to vote straight ticket blue, something I would never do, never consider, but I think that now it's important, instead of giving 
Hillary Clinton to vote and anyone who's affiliated with her party that has a D next to her name, making sure they get filled in. I'm going to give all of them a vote, and she happens to get one by default for being affiliated <laughs> with them. That's, that's an interesting choice, Nick. I, I, I have heard lots of people describe the same kind of uh, murky process that, that you're describing there, but thanks very much uh, for the call. Let's go to David in Gross Point. David, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Mr. Henderson, to you both, uh, to you and your guests. Uh-huh. Um, I guess, you know, my sense of the whole thing is that I tend to, uh, I've gone both ways over the years. Um, this year is really, a, really perplexing for me. You know, when I think about Donald Trump, I believe that he has several good ideas, but, you know, whether it be his party administration or just himself, he really hasn't figured out how to articulate those. And, you know, I, I long for the days of a guy like Bill Milliken. You know, if the Republican Party could have put somebody up that would even be, you know, of the mold of a guy like Milliken, you guys would have knocked it out of the park, and we and Hillary Clinton would be a foregone conclusion. I, I think you're right, David, that, that a more centrist kind of Republican, or even a mainstream kind of Republican, probably would be up on Hillary Clinton at this point, given given the drawbacks with her campaign, given the, the, the sort of tide of history, the, 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 the unlikely... Uh, event that that uh, a president succeeds another president of their same party, uh, but but it, it seemed as though there weren't enough Republicans thinking that way early enough to stop Donald Trump from doing from doing what he did. David, thank you very much uh, for your call. Uh, let's go to Alex, Alex in Novi. Hello, good hey. morning. How are you? So, um, I personally am. Uh, think that, and one of the things that worries me is that a lot of people like me that are Republican um, are so turned off by um, the nominee's uh, rhetoric and and his tone and how low he's brought um, the level of what the presidential contest should be, that they're just simply not going to turn out and vote. And um, I think it's very important, especially um, for the uh, congressional and legislative um, races that people do go out and vote, even if they just want to skip the presidential race. I personally, um, I am not going to vote for Mr. Trump. I am a registered Republican. I voted for John Kasich in the primaries, who I thought, um, who I think, if he were running now, he would be uh, sweeping the floor um, with the contest. Um, but I'm going to be voting for Hillary Clinton because um, I just it's the rhetoric he's brought to this race is just it's just horrible. And, and I can't bear to think of a president Trump, of having to call him the honorable Donald J. Trump, president <laughs> of the United States. It's just too much for you. Huh, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> OK, thanks. Thanks very much. Uh, for that call. Uh, well, I also, can, I, can I ask, yeah, is yeah, he gone? Yeah. yeah I, I, oh, okay. I I'm sorry. I just wanted to bring up the third party candidates. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's going to have a, uh, a lot more impact well, in this election than speaking, any before. Speaking speaking of third Except party candidates, uh, we're also joined now by Rory Cooper, who was, and it's, uh, he was a senior advisor to the Never Trump PAC. Uh, he's now working in Utah on the campaign 
of Evan McMullen, who is polling at about 20%. Another uh, alternative candidate, uh, Rory Cooper, welcome back to Detroit Today. It's good to be on, but just to correct you, I am actually not working on the Evan McMullen You're not campaign. working on that campaign? No, okay. no I'm not. But this is, is this one of the candidates you're sort of supporting or thinking about? Or? Well, I haven't, to be frank, uh, figured out what I'm going to do. I just actually moved my family to Virginia a couple weeks ago, so my vote now counts more so than it did uh, when I was in Maryland. But, right. uh, but I think a vote for the uh, McMullen-Finn ticket uh, for most conservatives would be a good way of demonstrating the type of conservatism that they're behind, and uh, it might be the direction that I go. If, as you alluded to, though, in, in Utah, he is uh, doing quite well, and it's likely that Donald Trump is fighting for second place right now in Utah, and uh, Clinton and McMullen are, are, are fighting for first. And th- this is something that was actually quite predictable and something I was predicting back in March, which was, that Utah, which is with its heavily Mormon uh, uh, voter demographic who are not as willing to set aside the issues of morality and character, yeah. we're never going to uh, support Donald Trump, and that has, and that has uh, come about just about as I anyone mean, we could have seen. S- we see in, in some of the polling, if, you, if you're one of the sort of politicos this year who's addicted to, to 538.com or, or these other sites that have these constant updates. The polling, Utah is looking more, I guess, pink than red uh, this cycle. I, I don't think it ends up going into the Democratic column, but it certainly will be a closer race there. Right. Normal. The, the kind of thing that happens when you have such a lopsided uh, Well, let's, I mean, let's put that into perspective. The, the idea was that his candidacy, McMullen's candidacy, would have an effect if, if it was close and it was able to stop Hillary Clinton from getting 270 electoral votes and sending it to the U.S. House. The, the, the likelihood of that right now is almost zero because we're looking at a landslide election ahead of us. Uh, we've got... The whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Randy <on>. disagrees. <laughs> well, how about, how, about I present some, how about I present some empirical data and then you can have a chance to uh, shoot it down. Okay. If you're looking at the polling, the, the last time that we had a Polling true, where, Rory? Excuse me? Polling where? Well, if you let me actually finish my thought, I will tell you. The polling that uh, we're looking at from whether it's NBC, Wall Street Journal, CNN, Anywhere you look at the real clear politics average, Hillary is somewhere between 7 and 11 points recently. It averages down to about 5 if you go back about a month. Ronald Reagan in 1984 was the last president in 40 years to uh, win with an eight-point margin. Rory, I have to interrupt for a second because you didn't answer my question. I asked you where. You told me who. Okay, where? What states? Because if you look well, at this thing, the national, national polls don't make a difference. Wow. This okay, is down well, to about be, five would, or six that states. True. That would be true if every state. It is true. If every well, if you actually will stop interrupting, I'll I get will to a point and I will answer the question. Go ahead. Um, if that would be true, if states all acted independently of each other in a national sense, but that's never been the case. In a presidential election, yeah, I mean, there's such that things would, as elasticity say, and predictability. If you, that, if you were to say that Donald Trump is down eight points nationally, but he's going to overcome that national perception and win Pennsylvania, 
I will buy you a bridge after that election. <laughs> will it go to Canada? There's just never been an instance I mean, the problem that, is that, yeah, Rory, uh, uh, Matt, or uh, Randy and Rory, I think I think the, the issue is that the, the gap is so large nationally that, that it's hard to imagine what Donald Trump would have well, to well, do. Well, if you look at some things, hey, Rory, Trump. you had your turn. Can I have mine now? Right. Well, go no, ahead, Randy. Don't, no, don't believe me. Believe Donald Trump because Donald Trump's campaign right now is acting in a way well, that he's acting clear like that he's not going to lose. Not that the loss win, is yeah. coming. Yeah, Randy. So this, Randy, this, quickly go. Yeah, I was with a I was with a national pollster just the other day who is one of the most experienced best pollsters in the United who, States. Who is that? And I'm not going to tell you his name. And the independents this term. The independents in this election cycle are going to vote more than in any other time in this country. The other, the other question is they do not know, or the other point is they do not know who they're going to vote for. So to say that a national poll right now has somebody so many points ahead when there are so many undecideds makes no sense. Yes, you're Plus, we're also no, talking about, <laughs> you talked about the interrupting thing, Rory, so it's my turn, okay? Right, right, right. Okay, so, and the other thing is, if you look at the number of states that are in play here with the electoral votes, it comes down to just about five or six. Donald Trump is within one, two, maybe four points in each one of those states. Well, he's got to win this all is, of them, though. No, I don't the, think he has to win all of them. In order to get to two states. I don't think he has to win all of them. Old, but it's the, hey, Rory, Rory, director. Rory. Is he going to win without Ohio? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's five, six points down in Ohio. Yeah. No Republicans won the White House without Ohio since. We were, we were talking about started. the third party candidates. The reason that Hillary Clinton is running for president this year is because Ross Perot ran against George Bush, the first George Bush, and took enough Republican votes away to change that election. We do not have a good handle on these independent voters, on these third party candidates this year, state by state. When is the la When did you first hear about Evan McMillan? When did I first hear about him? Yesterday. And he's at 20 points in one state. Well, you should this is the very, very unpredictable. So, very unpredictable. Very so, unpredictable. So we should we should have a bet between <laughs> Randy and Roy about what's going to happen on Election Day. Hey, I, I want to take another really quick break, and then we're going to get back to the phones. Rory Cooper, of course, as always, very nice to have you here <laughs> on Detroit Today. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk as we get closer to the election, and I definitely will call you the day after. My pleasure. Uh, My pleasure. Go Wings. Yeah, that's right. Uh, thanks very much for being here. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about Republican voters during this year's crazy presidential election cycle. You just heard some of the dissension there among Republican ranks. Uh, we want to hear more from you. 313-577-1019 is the number. Stay with us on Detroit Today. listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. I'm talking about Donald Trump and his effect on the Republican Party this time. What is he, what is he doing to Republican voters who have to go to the November 8th polls just like the rest of us and cast an actual vote? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. Uh, I'm joined by Randy Richardville. He is the Trump 7th Congressional District Chair, former State Senate Majority Leader, also Matt Resch, the founder of Resch Strategies PR firm, and has represented a lot of GOP officials over the years. Let's go to Rachel in Rochester. 
Rachel, well, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I was just calling because um, you guys are talking about having women who are more Republican. When I, I am not a Republican, I'm an independent, and I have voted for both parties, and I enjoy your show. Um, and just listening to you all talk about Donald and, and what he said, it's really hard for me to ignore his comments about women this this past week. Um, I, I really, I'm not a huge fan of Hillary Clinton. I don't, I don't love her as a candidate, but I find myself really thinking that it's hard for me to vote for Donald Trump after his views about women have been expressed. And not just this with this video, but over the course of the whole presidential cycle. I mean, he hasn't really been a leader, I feel like, in involving and including everybody. Like you mentioned before, Muslims and now women, and I just, I just struggle with that. How can I vote for someone who doesn't really represent half of the people with his comments? And I don't want to elect somebody who needs to surround himself with smarter people who have more experience in, in, the, in his presidency. I just, I just really struggle with that. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. If Donald Trump had one thing that he could say in that debate coming up. You are an independent woman. You don't like some of the things that he said. Of course, I don't like the fact that Hillary covered up, you know, her husband's things and, and did other, uh, you know, said things about the women that he had um, issues with. And I think both of those things are deplorable. I will agree those things are deplorable, not people, but those things. But if there was one thing that Donald Trump could come out and say to you as an independent woman that would make you stop and say, you know, I didn't like all that crap that I've heard for the last couple of months, but that resonates with me. What would it be? Would it be something about defense, your family, safety? What would it be that would that would make you stop and ponder? So for me, I think a lot of it would just be just just act like a leader and stop using. I, I struggle with the way that he just throws words around and then says they're not. Oh, that was just this kind of talk or this kind of talk. That's not how presidents speak. Like if you want to be president, start acting like a president. Start talking about what are you going to do about the economy? What are you going to do about inequality? What are you going to do about race? What are you going to do about national security? Stop talking about someone's husband and what he did, or stop talking about women as objects. Stop talking about, um, you know, this election is biased or rigged. And I love the comment about being biased because I, I, I think that's a much better word. But, like, stop stop talking about things that are are lesser and start talking about more presidential things like what are you going to do uh, rachel i think that that is a lot of people's complaint not just about uh, uh the the comments about women but but as you point out lots of the things that he said seem to be off message and he's been off message month after month uh and and even in the debates which were his best opportunity to make his case to the american people about what he would do he seemed to get distracted pretty easily uh, by by uh, Hillary Clinton and and even the moderators uh, to to talk about these other things. Go I, ahead, think, Matt I think that um, Matt to go back to Randy and, and Rory's uh, exchange, which sounds like a kind of a, a PBS cartoon <laughs> for early in the morning, but um, is that the, these independents who are going to be um, the key? That you know everyone say the the mysterious independents and the, they're key to every election. I don't know that I can't think when we've had an election where all of those, so many of those independents will be driven to the polls by their dislike and fear of the other person, as opposed to feeling motivated by the person they're going to vote for. And I think that, um, hearing a lot from loyal Democrats who are just so disgusted that this is their choice and loyal Republicans who are disgusted that this is their choice. And those independents who haven't decided, 
I don't believe many of them are going to go because they feel great about going to make that decision. I think they're going to go because they're trying to, they're voting against. They're, they're not to voting stop for something from happening. I think so. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what makes that predicting that independent vote, I think, hard because, you know, who's disliked more? Yeah. <laughs> right. What do, great what question. You, Odd what? question to be asking in October before presidential election. Uh, Marianne in Royal Oak, uh, I want to get to you. Uh, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much, Steve. What a wonderful program. Thank you. Um, I can't see Mr. Richerville, but I am imagine he's saying all this with a straight face. He is reading from the Trump um, you know, a suggestion sheet that has passed around. There are two Republicans that are on MSNBC regularly, Steve Schmidt, who was John McCain's yeah. uh, campaign director, and a woman by the name of Nicole Wallace, two well, well-informed Republicans who are, have stated that Donald Trump is manifestly unqualified for the president, it, almost any office, let alone the pregnancy, let alone presidency, pardon me. <laughs> and if I, you know, if I, I would prefer a politician, somebody who is immersed in politics, given all their flaws. Donald Trump has not done one iota of public service. He is a poor, poor businessman. He has not, according to the reports, has not paid taxes because he's just made, lost billions of dollars in claims that, oh, poor Donald. If I'm going, when I go to a doctor, I want someone that goes to medical has gone to medical school. <laughs> don't want I don't want I don't want somebody who. Yeah. But know, you wouldn't that's want somebody point. that's botched up a bunch of surgeries either. <laughs> that's you know? also true. Well, right? of course not. But <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. At least they attempted surgeries. <laughs> yeah. Donald Trump has been a millionaire playboy. Yeah, Mar Marianne, thanks very much uh, for thanks. that call. I, I appreciate the comments. There's one more call I want to get to here. Chuck in Franklin. Chuck, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I, I thought the premise of today's program was going to be Republicans calling in to say how they were resolving their issue. Do you have any Republicans on uh, the public radio? All, we had a couple all there. 20, all 23 of us? <laughs> well, 22, because I'm on the show today. <laughs> That's right. Randy's right. on the show. That's right. Yeah. Go ahead, Chuck. Well, We've got about a minute. So I'll, I'll tell you how I'm resolving it. Yes. Thank you, uh, Michigan Democrats and your lawyers. Because I really, I, have, I share your feelings, Stephen, about your personal feelings about Trump. And I would not want to put, a mark, put my mark next to his name. But thank you, Michigan Democrats and your lawyers. You have ensured that we now have straight ticket voting again, despite Michigan law to the contrary. So I am going to vote a straight ticket, a straight Republican ticket. And I'm going to pretend that I know as little about Donald Trump as thousands of Democrats know about state university but, boards uh, and the state board of education. Really, <laughs> but really, Chuck, that's what not, a great way to end this show. <laughs> that's not avoiding anything. I mean, you're voting for you're voting for Donald Trump by doing that. He gets and, your vote. And, and Stephen, he is the lesser of two evils. Mm. I know I mean, that we you could think have that, that Donald Trump is an evil. Um, you think he is an incarnate evil. I think he is the lesser of two evils. Well, I I think that's an interesting value judgment given that uh, this is someone who's embraced uh, racial, cultural, and ethnic bigotry. I'm not sure what Hillary Clinton has done that quite rises to that level, but we would have to have a whole hour to discuss that, Chuck. Well, uh, I can come back. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so uh, thank you very much for calling, Chuck, and thank you, Randy and Matt, for being here. This was a great conversation. Uh, this is 1019 WDET Detroit, Wayne State's public radio station. We'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too.